The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, according to a new report from Trinity College Dublin researchers, vacant properties and land in Irish city centres are an inevitable outcome of the state's planning system. So all of those vacant properties, we talk about them on this show, blighting high streets up and down this country that could be put to use. They are not an accident. They are inevitable, this report says. Hugh Wallace is the director with uh, Douglas Wallace Architects. I'm going to speak to Hugh in just a moment about this. But first, Keen O'Callaghan is with me, an associate professor in urban geography with the School of Natural Sciences at Trinity College Dublin. He led this research. Uh, Keen, can you tell me in a bit more detail what you found? So the report comes out of the Rethinking Urban Vacancy Project, which looked at two broad things. So one, how we measure vacancy in the Irish context and what those measurements tell. And then thinking a little bit about how vacancy factors into urban property markets and the planning system. And so the second report that we're, we've published is, is, is dealing with those issues. And it's mainly based on analysis of policies along with interviews with key stakeholders, um, local government, the development sector elsewhere, who are involved in bringing vacant properties back into use. So um, the report looks then a little bit at vacancy in three Irish cities, uh, so in Dublin, in Cork and Waterford. So you mentioned that we're kind of suggesting that it's an outcome of the planning and development system and that's our example, I suppose, of thinking about that within the context of of planning and development, uh, within the context of property markets. And what we mean there is really that the planning and development system in Ireland is is set up, the dominant model is around the delivery of large-scale green or brownfield sites. Across those three cities and kind of thinking about the specific context in each of those cities, we try to look at vacancy as a kind of wicked problem then. So something that kind of intersects with planning and regulation, that Mm. intersects with kind of land and property markets and intersects with also the kind of the governance capacity or the capacity of local authorities who are charged with dealing with kind of responding to these things. What's interesting though, despite um, everything you say, we've got 15 national governmental and public bodies with oversight for vacancy. I mean, if we have 15 of them at it, do you think they'd be incentivised to do the opposite, to actually make use of this land? Yeah, so um, again, depending on the city, there's a range of different kinds of challenges. And so what we, I suppose, found in the report was that there's uh, a lot of the responses to vacancy are often driven by very particular policy issues over the period of housing for all and before that. A lot of it is really about kind of bringing vacant housing stock back into use for housing. Uh, and so there's a kind of policy program set up to, to deal with these things, but they don't really kind of work across the different sort of silos then that might be important in terms of bringing things back into use. So, for example, in terms of like regulations and planning, one of the kind of key issues for vacant properties is often that um, these sites are maybe heritage buildings or protected kind of status or they're older building stock that require not only kind of like redevelopment, but also kind of upgrade and things like fire standards um, to modern safety standards of buildings. A vacant site levies, though, you know, were were one of the ways in which this was all meant to um, be solved, this problem. This would kind of incentivise activity uh, Mm. in our cities. Uh, You found actually that that might not be the case. No, so I, I think the introduction of the vacant site levy is, is a good um, initiative. What we found um, talking to local authority staff and policymakers is that most of the um, most of the staff there approached the, the vacant site levy as a sort of a bargaining chip. We we'll say you know so it was often kind of used as 
like in a very pragmatic way, kind of like a threat of putting something on a vacant site levy as a way to get um, an owner to kind of engage in bringing a property or a site back into use. Um, what we found is there's a, quite a lot of loopholes, I suppose, in which people, um, old property owners or development interests can get out of being put on those um, registers in the first place and from paying the levy. Well, Hugh Wallace is with us as well, who, of course, is the director with uh, Douglas Wallace Architects. Hugh, you're welcome to the show and it's great to talk to you. Um, Very good afternoon. I mean, uh, it won't come as a huge surprise to anybody that we've got an issue um, listening to the show with, with uh, vacant sites or derelict sites. You only have to look at every high street in the country to, to realise yeah. it. Um, yeah. And again, I mean, what Keen has set out is what instinctively people will kind of know themselves, which is that the, the ways we have tried to solve this problem up until now have not been working. No, if you take it that living over the shop initiative is over 25 years old. And what a failure that's been. And yet we don't go back and wonder why was it a failure. And that has to do with um, the fact that you have building regulations and building control and fire regulations that are for new builds, not for existing buildings. And the new regulations are being shoehorned into old buildings, which mean it's not viable or practical to do them up. And that needs to change. And at the moment, in fact, the fire regulations are going to get worse. Worse and, and in that they'll get more complicated and harder they for are you to... to they're being reviewed and they're going to be more complicated. So harder then to do up an old property. Yeah. So it's much better to let it rot. And the, the, the issue here is we have 31 councils in Ireland with 949 councillors who all want their say in the planning because it's one of the last areas that they can dabble their little fingers in and make a mess of. There are 500 approved housing bodies. And last year, there were two, there were 5,000 homes approved, which means they each did, this isn't correct, 10 houses. So why are there 500 approved housing bodies? The LDA says it's in the process of delivering um, a budget in excess of 1 billion, which actually equates to 4,000 houses. And they've had an absolute dismal um, result so far over five years and have done nothing. If I was in Dubai, half of, of Dubai Marina would be built. The Urban Regeneration Development Fund, of which the government announced that they were going to give 150 million and said this would possibly bring a number of 4,850 units to the market, which means they're going to spend 31,000 on each unit. So there's a complete mismatch. You have too many ways of delivering houses, and there is not a national policy. And, and, and this, this is fundamental to the country. When Ireland what was created, and we became, uh, you know, the Ireland, Inc., that the 30s were huge projects of social housing around the country. Galway, Limerick, everywhere. And yet the government are not delivering on the importance of housing to Ireland and its financial future. And I, I just think it's bewildering. The whole thing is bewildering. It's like shoving money at something that actually the solution is we give it money. But it's not the solution of we're going to deliver. So what is the solution? The solution is there should be a national executive responsible for the delivering of housing in Ireland. And part of their remit is the planning system. So that 
when there's a development plan, you set out what what type of buildings go where, what the uses are, and if you develop in accordance with that plan, you cannot object at planning stage. That would have a huge is that, impact. Is that not just zoning, what you're talking about? No, it's much more. At the moment, zoning isn't sufficient. You have to say it's going to be three stories high, it's going to be residential, and if you comply with the development plan and the zoning, you, don't, you cannot object. You cannot have third-party objections. Like, we are waiting at the moment mm. 21 months for a decision for 10 residential units up in Louth from on board Plumnola. How like, long? How, how can this 21 months? Work? Yeah, 21 months. And they've actually stopped writing to us because they might be embarrassed. Uh, the, the, the solution you prescribe, I mean, w w would you include as well, not only that, say, the buildings here have to be three stories high and residential, w would you prescribe a certain look they have to comply with? Because No. No? Do, do whatever no. you want, but as long as it's three stories. No, no, within, within, well, they all have to comply with, they have to get sign off that the elevations work and that the buildings talk to us as, you know, as individuals Yeah, but on one, the one can be precast concrete, one can be red brick, one Correct. can be glass, absolutely. whatever yeah, you want. absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah, because variety is the spice of life, as you know. Well, I do. I do. I do know that, Hugh. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, how confident are you, though, that, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to be here in five, ten years' time talking about vacant property? I mean, I, but let me put it another no, way. Can I, I just is tell there, you, you'll be any... here in 15 years' time. All right, okay. Is that, is and that, I also is, think, can I yeah. just say, just to, is I also think that Irish people have a snob value of not living in the uh, village or town. They want to live in the big house outside town. Absolutely. They want their half-acre the trees around it, and they want their two-story Georgian monstrosity, preferably around three and a half thousand or four thousand square feet. Oh, well, you need room for the dogs to run around you. You, you do, know? absolutely, and somewhere but for the staff to, to live. Remember, you do, I'm absolutely, and as, as in the uh, garage, which has got a change of use, but you didn't get planning. So, can I, can I just <laughs> say that if you look at the council, we have to be quite clear here that the councils are as frustrated by the situation as everyone else. Waterford is leading the way in delivering uh, uh, properties which were vacant and derelict and trying to bring them back into use. But they have the same problems around regulations. And Limerick is very lucky to have a very proactive council in terms of delivering mm. uh, regen. And so there are examples of good practice but even there their hands are tied because of regulations because of the way the grant system is divvied out are, are you not encouraged at all that we, we started to tackle the problem of, of people building the big house outside town it is harder to just buy a site and get planning now than it was 15 years ago i know that but my my point here is that we're still gobbling up land Okay. Whereas there should be absolute no houses being built in suburbia. There is so much land available in our towns and cities. You don't need another semi-detached house. Do you need not, high not, quality I know apartments. We, do we not need some? I mean, we, none, if you build 40,000, we can, we can meet demand without building any semi-Ds. Absolutely. Oh, my word. Imagine um, that conversation now when you go up to the door. 
Could I come back in with a, yeah, a Kean, few points? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so that the issue of kind of regulation and, and fire and things like that, and we're working across, is definitely very much something that came up in in interviews, um, and it does kind of like create a cost um, for people in terms of transforming a house, and there's financial barriers there. We found that there's a gap between um, like international finance, which is funding those big developments that you talk about, and the more sort of like small scale or meso level finance that might be needed to either do a development site in an infill basis or kind of mortgage finance to, to redevelop or refurbish a, a vacant mm. property. So that kind of is an issue. Uh, I think in terms of like the, the, the overall planning system, so I, mean, I think that's sort of like the focus on the delivery of big sites and that's something is kind of which has is, is really been the emphasis of delivering housing for all. So vacancy is one of the sort of pillars there in housing for all, but it's, it works very differently, I think, than a lot of the other kinds of pillars which are about this kind of mass scale of delivery. And I think it's right that there is kind of key gaps, I suppose, in terms of how planning and regulation kind of can work for those sites. Um, so I, I think that there's like, there's a number of sort of like overlapping issues and we've, we've a danger, I suppose, of like, you know, conflating the housing crisis overall with the smaller scale problem of vacancy, we'll say, or the different problems of vacancy. And on the yeah. question, I suppose, of, of regulation, of zoning, so in, in some of our examples, I suppose, and this is, I think, it's something that's picked up in, in recent media attention to report, that um, that sort of aspect of, you know, the, the, the property market itself or development interests kind of retaining or leaving stuff vacant intentionally to a certain extent is actually an outcome also of, of that, regu- the, you know, lack of regulation to a certain extent. But we found also in, in cities, and particularly in a city like Dublin, that you have developers who are kind of waiting out, you know, the change of regulation or waiting for more favourable market conditions or want to build higher. Keen O'Callaghan, Associate Professor in Urban Geography with the School of Natural Sciences in Trinity and Hugh Wallace, Director with Douglas Wallace Architects. Gentlemen, thanks a million and we'll talk to you both again soon, I hope. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.